Hey, this is Matt. Thanks. I appreciate you tuning in to the Deconstructing Faith podcast. Here, I'm trying to create conversations without condemnation surrounding the Bible, God, and Jesus so that we can all get deeper into our faith. I appreciate you so much. I hope that you like the podcast. I hope you'll share it, and I hope that you'll subscribe. Now, let's dig into today's episode. Hey, hello, hello, and thank you so much for tuning in. I am so stoked to have you join me on the podcast today. Oh, it is just a great, great day, my friends. Look, today I want to I wanna wrestle with something with you. Um, I had shared something online because I had really wrestled with, uh, personally in my life, uh, some of the choices that I made when I walked away from church and uh, walked away from my faith altogether. I, I, and when I say that, you know, that sounds so cliche. I didn't stop believing in God. I just started ignoring God. I started ignoring, you know, what I was hearing from, from God, from the Holy Spirit, the, the things that I knew from the scriptures, the, the things I knew about how I was living. I was just blatantly ignoring those. That, that's the honest thing to say when I say walked away from church and walked away from my faith. God didn't stop existing. I just stopped acknowledging his existence out loud, if that makes sense, right? Didn't stop me from praying when I was in a time of need or all that stuff, right? The Hail Marys. But I want to wrestle with that because deep down there's a reason why I, well, why I, why I did walk away. And I want to... I want to ask permission to get a little vulnerable with you guys as you're listening to this today because I want to share some stuff with you that some of it's in my book. And if you haven't read it, head over to Amazon.com. You can grab it. It's called Now I See, Looking for Jesus in Christianity. Um, It's a little story about my faith and how I came to it, why I left it, and what brought me back. Uh, You know, it's interesting, though. Uh, I didn't put a lot in there about my wife. And the funny part is she's such a large part. Of, of what got me back, but that's, uh, that's for the next book. So, um, okay. So the thing that I was wrestling with is, is this question that, that goes deep into why I walked away and why many do. And it was, how can I ask God to forgive me and expect God to love me when I've done the things that I've done? Let me say that again. How can I ask God to forgive me and expect God to love me when I've done the things I've done? You know, uh, th- throughout, oh my gosh, throughout my journey, it's, it's been a, it's been a rough one, to be honest. It's been a rough journey spiritually. Uh, I, I have made some very dumb choices. Uh, I went through a divorce back in 2009 and afterwards I went off the rails. I was convinced that if I, and here I was, you know, I was, I, I had been ordained. I, I, so I had led the youth in the form of a youth pastor, uh, in one church and, and as a youth leader in a couple of other ones on a volunteer basis, I, uh, man, I had taught the word on Sundays, uh, when my pastor was gone, um, you know, when he would be on vacation and stuff, I, I spoke at a big youth conference. I, I did these crazy, look, this guy loves Jesus things. But after I got divorced, I immediately felt like I must be a failure. I must be an imposter because if I were living this right, there's no possible way this could happen in my life. So I immediately, I felt this shame that was so heavy because of going through a divorce. I, I thought, well, this is just the fruit of what's really inside me, which means inside I must be rotten. 
Uh, and I, I had said multiple times over the years, I, I was single for a long time. And, and I always said to people, look, you don't want to, you don't want to get close to me. I am relationally toxic. And I, I genuinely believed that because I had this shame that, you know, I must've been putting on a front and, and it must've have never been real. And so I had all this stuff, but here's the problem. Okay. Hey, we'll talk about with the source of shame, right? Like, listen, I firmly believe that the enemy, the ultimate enemy, Satan, the deceiver, right? God's ultimate enemy, uh, that his goal is to make us feel shame because if we feel ashamed, then when you have shame, you want to hide. And, and that's what the enemy wants us to do when we feel shame, right? He doesn't want us to talk to God. So the more shame he can instill in us, the less likely we are to even talk to anyone, let alone God. All right. Now here's why I share this with you because I know I'm not the only one who's ever thought, how can God love me? I've, I've done this, right? Whatever it is that, that you're dealing with, whatever it is we've dealt with, we've all felt like that in a moment. Like, God, why would God forgive me for this, right? Like, I was walking with God. I know all of his truths, yet I messed up. So so this isn't one of those things he should forgive me of, like, because I, I, I failed and I knew the right path and I chose the wrong path, right? Or why would God love me when I've turned my back on him? I think many of us have felt that way before. And in those moments, then we start to question, well, I mean, listen, is God real anyway? Like, what if it's all not real, right? We, we at, these things go through our head, but here's the problem, okay? Here's the problem with the, how can I sp- expect God to forgive me? How can I expect God to love me after I've done whatever? After I've fallen back into pornography or after I've, I've cheated on my, my wife or my husband uh, or after I've, I've lied to, to people and I've caused hurt in their life, right? But whatever it is that you've done, right? Dishonesty, uh, uh, you know, theft, uh, maybe you've done something, some dirty business, whatever it is, I'm not glorifying what you've done here, but, but there is something that's so important that we need to realize. And, and what we need to realize is that there's a, a big problem with the how can I expect God to love me after I've done blank question. And the problem is this. When we say, how can I you know, ask God to forgive me and love me? We're, we're operating out of, the, out of the understanding that God doesn't love us. And that he hasn't always, or we're operating under the understanding that, that we, that God like didn't know what was coming. So he didn't know we were going to do this wrong thing. Uh, if God is omniscient, omnipresent, uh, right. All knowing, all seeing, all present, he's everywhere. If he knows what we're going to do before we do it, right. The Bible says God, God knew us before, before we were even conceived, God knew you and I were going to exist before our parents decided to put tab A into slot B and conceive us, okay? So if we if we stop and acknowledge that for a minute, then we have to go, then God knew every mistake I was going to make. And that's a big deal. But for some people, we stop there and we go, oh my God, he knew I was going to do this. Why didn't he stop me from doing this? Oh my God. Listen, if, if, we, if we just... Don't stop there. Let's move on to the next thing and go, oh, and God still, he still sent Jesus? Like, here's the crazy thing. I shared this on Facebook, but the problem with the question is that that question comes from a place of assumption that God hasn't always loved us. 
it assumes that he hasn't already forgiven us ahead of time. See, God's love for you and I is unconditional. We have a hard time understanding that because as humans, our love is conditional. We can say we love unconditionally, but at the end of the day, we don't. And here's why I say that. And, and I'm owning that too, by the way. Now, we, we try. I'm not saying we don't try. But here's the thing. If you're married and your spouse cheats on you, you're probably going to end that marriage. And your heart is going to be broken. Now, does it mean you stop loving them? Well, not right away. But after a while, after you leave, the love goes away. See, there are certain types of love, right? There's agape, which is the servant love. The I'm going to put you before me. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to use my brain to choose you first, to choose to put you first, to serve you. That brotherly kind of love, sisterly kind of love where you do unto others. That's agape love. But then there's also like there's the feelings love, which I think it's ethos, right? I think that's the one. Uh, it's the feelings love, right? Uh, where, like, I feel love. Like, I get little butterflies in my tummy. My, my heart skips a beat. There's that love. And then there's eros, which is the intimacy love, the sexual part of love, right? The intimacy moments, the physical intimacy and that type of stuff. So there's different types of love, right? So there's the love that we have, like, feeling love, like love for our, our children, our spouse, our friends. There's the the love we have for our spouse, right? The intimate love. But then there's the agape love. And that's the love we're supposed to have for everybody, right? Like, because God created them, we love them. That's that love. See, but we as human beings have a hard time understanding God's unconditional love because we do not love unconditionally. We don't, right? If someone, uh, if your spouse speaks to you in a certain way, your Eros love may, may go away. You may not have a desire to be intimate with them because they, you know, insulted you. Maybe in a heated argument, you made a comment about your wife's body or she made a comment about yours or your, your husband or wife, you know, maybe your wife said to you, uh, a comment about something they don't like when you're making love to them. Or maybe your husband said a comment to you about he, he doesn't like something you do intimately. That will turn off a desire for Eros love. That'll turn off a desire for intimacy if you, someone doesn't feel safe in intimacy. So there is conditional love there, right? It's not like God's love. And the same goes with feelings love, right? You can have children, but when your child, your child can say, you're the worst parent in the world, I hate you and I never want to see you again. And you might not stop loving them, but you might stop liking them for a while because you're hurt. Or, or you do something and it hurts your children and they don't want to know you. There are parents who have gone their whole life and like for decades and their children don't want to be around them. And their children say, I don't love you anymore. And here's the reality. They may not feel like they do. That, that, familial love, that familiar feeling of love may not be there. But we got to acknowledge the reality behind that. Human love comes with conditions. Even the agape love, the serving one another, we're supposed to do it. Jesus, when asked what's the most important command, he was told, love, love the Lord. Well, first, uh, the Adonai is one. The Lord your God is one. Right, You are to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all your everything. Every single thing you have, you are to love God with. And the next thing he says is, but there's another that, that's close to this. And it's love your neighbor as yourself. Right? 
So that's the agape love, right? That's the, the do unto others love, right? Treat people the way you want to be treated love. But even that is conditional because we might do that and then someone mistreats us in response and then all of a sudden we're like, well, I'm not going to do that for them again. Now, some people go, no, I'll still do it for them again because I am a good Christian. Well, congratulations. I'm not saying we aren't supposed to keep trying. I'm saying we are supposed to. Okay? We are supposed to keep agape loving people. When you're married, you're supposed to keep having the good feelings for your wife or your husband, even if they hurt you. You're supposed to still want to be intimate with them. The Bible talks about that too. Gosh, when we read uh, man, Ephesians, Corinthians, there's some great things about submitting to one another. There's some great things about, about uh, sexual act- activity with your spouse and how important it is. That like you don't deny one another intimacy, nor do you use intimacy as a weapon, obviously, right? You don't say to your spouse, hey, you you have to have sex with me as much as I want because the Bible says don't forgo it. Well, that's kind of taking it out of context. But the Bible talks about the importance of, you know, when you're in a married relationship, the importance of intimacy with one another. Because lack of intimacy could give the devil a foothold. Now, everybody assumes that instantly means with sexual sin or whatever. And it can, but it also can mean... That lack of intimacy can make you grow apart because you start doubting one another. Oh, they don't want to be with me because they feel like this or that. My point of all of this is we're human beings and our love, as much as we try to mirror Christ, our love is conditional. But you need to hear this today. The Bible says a lot about God's love for you. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 100, okay, Psalm 100, verse 5, says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Man, his love endures forever. Let me say it again. Forever, okay? Forever. God is good and his love endures forever. Like, God knew you and I before we were born, and he chose to let us be created anyway. He knew every time we were going to turn from him. He knew when I was going to walk away for eight years. He knew it. And one would say, well, then why even let Matt be created? Why let him be created when you know he's going to go be a, a drunken idiot, when you know he's going he's gonna, to you know, be buried in porn for years, when you know he's going to have all kinds of relationships with people he shouldn't be having, uh, when he's going to mistreat his body and drink himself nearly to death, why would God even allow me to be created? Why? Knowing I would do that, why? Well, the answer is simple. Because God loves all of us. And he forgives all of us unconditionally. He loves us unconditionally. Like, think about that. Wow. That's insane to think about. See, God's love is good. It's good. It's the the word used, the Hebrew word used, and I'm probably going to mis, mispronounce it as tob. Tob. Tobe. Uh, and, and it means like good in the widest sense, masculine, feminine, singular, plural. It's, it's good, beautiful, cheerful, bountiful. It doesn't get any better. 
than that kind of good. And we're told in Psalm 100 verse 5 that God is good and his mercy, his love, his chesed, his kindness, okay? A lot of Bibles translate this to to love. The NIV translates it to love. But the actual word that's there is his mercy is everlasting, okay? So when it says God is good and his love endures forever, what it really says is God is good and his mercy is everlasting. His chesed, his kindness. See, this is kind of like, and this obviously was written, you know, in Hebrew, uh, but this kind of love is more like the agape love. This, and, and that makes this even stronger because it doesn't, this isn't the kind of like, God is good, so he's going to have good feelings for you forever. And he's going to always go like, oh, well, Matt's a nice guy. No, the chesed is kindness. Okay, so when we read this, it's it's basically saying God is so good that his kindness, his mercy, that is everlasting. See, God is so good that he will unconditionally show us kindness. And love is a good translation because it's very much like the agape love. God, his, his kindness is everlasting. And his truth, his emunah, okay? His truth, his faithfulness, it endures for all generations. See, friends... I want to I want to encourage you here. When you when you ask yourself how could God how could God take me back? How could God accept me back after what I've done? You're asking the wrong question because you're assuming that God has let you go. But the reality is God God always has loved you. He's always already forgiven you knowing what you would do. He forgave you before you needed it. Many of us have left him and walked away, but thankfully he has never left us. God just wants us to turn back to him and say, okay, I'm home and I'm here to stay. Now, I know some of you hearing this, you have heard God calling your name your entire life. Maybe you've heard it in small whispers. Maybe you've been drunk and laying down in your house saying, how did I get to this place in my life? What's wrong with me? Why am I broken? What I don't know what to do. Why do I feel so depressed? Whatever it is, maybe it's a large life altering event. Maybe you've gotten cancer or, or maybe somebody you love has gotten a diagnosis that is just crushing. And now you're going, oh God, I need you. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is that's that's made you go, maybe I need God. The answer is yes, you do. You always have. In the victories and the celebrations, you needed them. And in the tough times, you still need them. And that doesn't mean he is a cosmic vending machine that's going to come fix everything you want here on earth. But what he will do is be there with you. He will be there for you to cry to in the tough times. He will be there for you to celebrate with in the great times. But you got to answer him. 
You gotta answer them so you can have a conversation. Tell them you're ready to come home. Get in a solid community of believers, okay? Get in a solid community of believers. Start reading your Bible. Learn about who Jesus is and the ways he's shown us to live because the ways he has shown us to live are the ways that we can show honor to God for all he's doing for us. It's time for you, my friends, to free yourself from the worries of not good enough. It's time to accept it. You're more than enough. Christ made you whole before God, which meant he believed you were more than enough. That is amazing. You're worth it, my friend. No matter what you've done, God loves you still and believes you're worth it. Don't let Jesus' death be wasted on you. He died for you. Don't don't let that go past you as though it's nothing. Don't stay in the shame that he already purchased away from you. Don't stay in the hurt that he already paid for to take away from you. Don't stay in the life of sin that he already paid to cleanse you of. Free yourself from the worry of not good enough and accept the fact that you're more than enough and that you're worth it and that Jesus thought you were worth it when he paid the price for everything you've ever done and everything you ever will do when he got up on that cross. Aren't you ready to stop carrying this by yourself? I know it was just a little over two years ago now, maybe, year and a half ago, that I just remembered that I didn't have to walk by myself with this. And I want you to understand that feeling of freedom too. doesn't mean you still won't get tempted, but it's beautiful. The Bible doesn't tell us to resist the temptation. It says resist the devil. See, temptation's going to come. And when it does, we need strong people around us to connect with and immerse ourselves in. So we could say, hey, Let's, you, you want, you're, you're feeling lonely. You want to get online. You want to start looking at porn. Nope. No, no. Pick up the phone. Call one of your buddies. Just see how they're doing. Check in with them. Hey, what's going on? Tell me some good things in your life. You start feeling that, that burning desire to have another drink when you know you shouldn't be drinking or uh, getting high or something like that. And you just want to bury yourself and being drunk or stoned or whatever it is you want to do to just escape the pain of what's going on in your life. No, pick up the phone, call one of your friends. Hey, you want to go for a walk? You want to go for a run? Hey, you want to go grab dinner? Hey, you know what? I just wanted to talk to somebody. I just want to give you a call and say, what's up? See, God loves you and God has put people around you that are also waiting to love you. Get in a community of Christ followers. Get into a good Bible-based church that encourages you to read your Bible. Look, if your pastor doesn't encourage you to read your Bible, it's probably not a healthy church to be part of, okay? Get in your Bible. Read the Word of God and start asking God, show me how to follow you better, God. Show me how to live out what you want, God. Show me how to honor you, God. God is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. My friend, God has forgiven you for more than you will even ever know. And he's forgiven you for things you have not even done yet. Yeah, he has. That's 
how much he loves you. Don't let that love go to waste. Get to know him and love him back. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Look, if you liked it, I hope that you will consider sharing this with somebody else. Uh, and hopefully it was an encouragement to you. And, and I pray that it will be an encouragement to someone else. Let's close this out in prayer. God, thank you so much for giving us your truth through the Bible. Lord, forgive us for the times that we just don't, we don't give you the attention, the love, and the respect that you deserve. You are perfect. You love us. <laughs> and you love us in ways that we don't even realize, God. You forgive us of things that we know don't deserve forgiveness. But we need your heart. We need to be able to do that for other people, God. We pray that you give us the strength to forgive where forgiveness isn't deserved. We pray that you give us the strength to love when love isn't deserved. And we pray that you help us remember that you have forgiven us and loved us in the times that we don't deserve it. We praise you for being who you are, God. And we thank you for loving us in spite of who we are. Lord, we give all glory to you, and I pray your blessing on everyone who listens to this today. May your face shine upon them. May your grace and peace go with them throughout the rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen.